0: Hello, this is Rod Allen. And this is Chalmeda. And this is Free Range Humans, a place where we consider how to make schools fit for human consumption. Welcome, my respected friends. It's good to be with all of you. I'm grateful to be a visitor on the ancestral and unceded and stolen lands of the Hulkeminim-speaking peoples, specifically the Cowetson peoples. Uh, and in, I have the privilege of being a visitor and living on beautiful southern Vancouver Island. And um, just want to recognize and, and honor uh, the, the First Peoples here. Today, all up here in Canada, is Indigenous Peoples Day. It's a national uh, uh, day. Where we recognize and think about um, the indigenous peoples whose lands uh, we currently uh, share, and it's uh, it's it's growing in its uh, stature as as a day of recognition and and in its importance. It's fitting and it's timely that, that we that we do this.
1: Yeah, very much so. I've been fortunate to have the chance to work with you, Rod, and also our guest today, Kevin Godden, who Rod's going to introduce in a moment. Uh, through our work on the Deeper Learning Dozen, which brings uh, myself and other visitors from the U.S. to British Columbia. Um, And it's just been very striking to me in British Columbia, the way in which Indigenous people uh, are, or at least can be uh, recognized, in which Indigenous knowledge can be uh, knowledge that all students are expected to learn, uh, and then coming back to the U.S. and seeing the way that black latinx and indigenous students here are treated where we're just moving from the idea that uh y- you know key parts of our school system and our culture that they need to be reframed from deficits to assets um and so it's just been really um warming for me to be um in communication with the two of you and to have spent some time in canada not that there are, aren't Significant struggles there for African Americans and for Indigenous people, but I'm glad to be with you
0: on Indigenous People's Day. Thank you. Yeah, it's it's um, it's it's just so timely. And of course, you're right. We have we have many issues still to work through, but uh, I, I think we all commit to being part of the solution moving forward. Um, and I think that's one of the joys of of uh, being in this profession. Uh, being being an educator at this time is is um we get to participate in the, is as we work to solution as we work to a, a more reconciled future and, and that's a that's a great honor to be in to be in that position i'm going to introduce our guest and and kevin uh you may want to want to jump in on this on this part of the conversation um dr kevin godden is the superintendent of schools for the abbotsford school district a large suburban community just outside vancouver british columbia Kevin is one of the most transformational leaders I know. He has created a culture of curiosity and innovation focused on deeply understanding and acting on the needs of students. Kevin, welcome to Free Range Humans.
2: All right. Well, thank you for uh, for having me, Rod and Jal. And, and let me start by uh, also acknowledging that uh, I work and learn and Live and play on the traditional territory of the Mathakwi and Samath First Nation here, which is part of this ter- uh, the Stalo territory, the people of the river, the Fraser uh, River specifically. And they've lived here for 10,000 years, and I'm honored uh, to share this, uh, this land with them.
0: Thanks, Kevin. Um, yeah, when we think about history and when we talk about 21st century learning, and I'm doing air quotes. <laughs> um, often uh as as you know kevin and i'm sure you've had the same experience uh where you are our indigenous elders and say when we talk about experiential hands-on learning learning rooted in place and um and in story and narrative uh they're sort they're we'll often hear the comment of well we've been doing that forever <laughs> uh, it's it's you guys that have lost your way we we've always known you can't you can't educate kids in a factory we've always known it's an act of the heart and a very personal act. And uh yeah, it's fitting to be having this conversation on uh National Indigenous People's Day.
1: Just to pick up on that theme, um, I came to to BC to give a talk and had a, a version of that experience. I was talking a lot about uh Dewey and progressive education and experiential education and apprenticeship learning and intergenerational learning and uh you know people in the audience stopped me and they said you know we, we talk about all those same things just uh in a different voice and a different register um and that was the beginning of a of a learning journey uh for me um which uh kind of leads me to my first question which is um what uh what what has shaped your beliefs about what schools should look like kevin what what experiences either as a as a student or uh remember we we've talked about some of your experiences as a teacher and a principal um you know when when you were spending all of those years sort of closer to the classroom what 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 in there sort of shaped your view of uh what what good looks
2: like hmm. you know it's um it's funny that you uh um you you mentioned that because you asked that because i for some reason today i was i was reminiscing uh about um about uh you know my first years teaching and and just you know i w- i was mentioning to somebody that i actually know i can still tell you the 24 students in my class in my first year i can tell you all their first and last names to this day and 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 part of it was because we entered into a relationship um like no other i mean i've been to a number of their their weddings i know a bunch of their kids Uh, i know far far more about them some you know what is now over 30 years ago uh than uh than then because we we were in relationships so you know i'll say a couple of things perhaps uh shape that one one would be um just being in a in a place of deep connection with these uh you know, young people and being uh you know giving of yourself for me it was it was it was so much about about sport and and play and that was what i i brought uh and 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 they they were just you know eating it up and 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 so uh I, i'll i'll offer that it's certainly one of the things that is has uh shaped, uh, experiences for me. The, the other one, though, and I guess I, I want to come, come back to the uh, the conversation about indigenous uh, people. Was you know, it's it's been for me at least some contact with with our elders um, along the way. Uh, uh, certainly, for when I first taught uh, in the north, and and certainly now. Uh, realizing that you know that which we are applying at in our profession you know the elusive experiences they've been there all along and we were just looking looking in the wrong places or looking with the wrong eyes if you if you will and uh, the opportunity to kind of uh, back up and and see uh, what's before us with new eyes has has, has has certainly helped and and i'll offer you the, the the third one which is you know somebody who's identifies as black, Uh, having not been born in Canada, having been born in Jamaica, and, um, you know, coming to Canada and experiencing the world through the eyes of an immigrant, uh, you know, what what we would call then the visible minority, has certainly helped to shape how I look at school and what school can be, because the whole issue of, you know, identity and you know who i was as a young black child in a in a you know single parent home struggling uh was well kept to well hidden and wasn't a part of my my experience and i and i have always felt that uh, you know that was part of what what helped to shape my affinity for the the silenced kids um, because i felt that there was more and uh you know i had a special place in my heart those kids who really didn't have a chance to show who they were and what they were capable of. So, yeah, you know, I would say that those are the things that helped to kind of shape my idea of 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 what school was and could be. There's there are several others, but I'll I'll stop there. Kevin, you you
0: haven't typically, as long as I've known you, which is uh, probably longer than we would both like, but um, <laughs> t- you you haven't you haven't typically over the years talked much about race um and 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 how that has has affected your you professionally and personally and so on um but but you're doing that more now is is, is that can, can you comment on on that a little bit and and um your work uh as, as an, a champion of equity uh certainly seen in your district certainly seen in the province um how is that all coming together for you now diff perhaps differently now than it, than it was
2: uh, when you began your career. And that's a great, uh, that's a great question, you know, and, and I've, I've been very deliberate and I've been, I've been probing at that question, Rod, um, for the longest time. And, and maybe I'll answer the answer it with a little bit of a story. You know, mo- most black people will tell you, um, the first time when they discovered they were black, you know, and, and it's, it's a euphemism to say how is when people realize you were different and, and for me, it was the first, my first day in school. <laughs> um, and, and you can imagine, it wasn't a good experience. and It resulted in a fight and, and all kinds of trouble. And, but, but what I, what I recall um, that shaped me was how my mother responded, um, uh, which was uh, challenging me uh, about, you know, who are you? What do you want to be? And how are you going to let people know where you stand? And is fighting the way that you're gonna do it. And, and you know, she 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 didn't suffer fools lightly uh and didn't ask a lot of tough questions, didn't give a lot of answers, but I think I knew what she was kind of talking about. And you know, and since then I I I you know that and several other things I think helped to shape uh, I'll say a drive that I had to get people to look past my race, to look past it and to see me to see me but for what I do how I conduct myself all of that and and you know notwithstanding the few incidents that you know they they certainly were higher when I was in in school and far fewer sins you know I've carried myself to let my work speak for my myself now having having arrived at this place where I am now uh, I see a number of these uh, issues. I saw those issues with my own, our own kids in school, with some of the issues that they had to deal with, and and how I needed to help them navigate it. And then in turn, seeing that some of these issues just haven't gone away. <laughs> and so you know, part of my leadership responsibility now is to use a voice that I obviously have. To speak openly about these things, about personal struggles that I've had, personal struggles I've had with a parent raising, you know, uh, a black son, for instance, where I had to have the conversation with him about you're not the cute black child. When you turn 17, 18, you're not the cute black child who's running around, you know, behind their parents anymore. You're a black man. And in this world, that means something different. Uh, Having to have that kind of conversation with your kid and then telling people that I had that conversation with them, what I realized uh, was the, um, I'll say the responsibility I now had to add to the discourse to say that, you know, my own road certainly wasn't easy, but I need to speak up for the voiceless. And I have a responsibility to do that, especially if I'm trying to model. Uh, some of this work for our, our own leaders, for them to know the road that the superintendent traveled was not easy, neither as a professional, as a student, or as a parent, for that matter, in the very district that I'm trying to to support and lead.
1: So, Kevin, it, it strikes me that the advice your mother gave you is very characteristic um, advice, sort of immigrant advice and advice of an, of a previous generation, did you, when you were having your own kids, you know, as the moment has changed and as they were, you know, um, uh, second generation, I guess, um, is, did you give them different advice than your mother had given you and, um, do you think that that's more possible now in a, in a different moment, or do you think
2: it's roughly the same? You know, I, I, there's some parts of it that are, that are the same. Um, um, you know, I mean, I, I certainly, you know, to 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 steal from Martin Luther King, I want my kids to be judged by that by the content of their character and not by the color of their their skin. But what I didn't want is for them to walk unawares, like I did, into racism. Um, And so, you know, when I asked them the question, when did you realize that you were black and different? They answered me the way I'd hoped they would, which was you and mom told us. From the time we could walk, we talked about being black. We had books by black authors. We had books with black characters. We had, you know, we talked about it constantly. And 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 so while on one hand you know I I, I do want them to not have to get into uh, into a fight I want them to be proud of who they are and to learn how to deal with it to arm them to deal with it in in a way that you know you know would do what my mother was implying right to make people look past your color um, and see and see who you are and what you do. And so there is, I think, I think there's some truth in her advice, but I think, uh, I think I had the benefit as a parent of, uh, I'll say, (laughs) preloading that. Uh, And so, you know, I just think both of our kids were far more armed, if I can use that word, to deal with racism, to advocate for themselves, uh, to ask and uh, and and clarify in a way that you know I just didn't have at the time, the wherewithal to to appreciate that and, and to to you know to internalize and 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 deal with it. I you know they were they were doing things at, at a much younger age than I was, and and I think it's you know by virtue of my 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 mother's own advice as 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 well as you know uh, uh, us uh, seating. Uh, some of the, you know, it, just in anticipation of, ex, of experiences we, we knew that they were going to have. Kevin, you, you've
0: you just sort of talked about student agency and, and a agency of, your, of for your own children um, to to be who they are and to make decisions that that are appropriate and and so on. I, I know that that's a theme in your work in your district right now, and you've been working with Shane Safir. Uh, about that for a while, H- how is that affecting the work in your in your district? Can you talk about that a, a little bit? What, like, what are the kids talking to you about? And 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 how are you beginning as a district to act on what the what the what the students are telling you?
2: Well, yeah, I mean, you know, thanks for you know, Shane has been working with us, and that's uh, some of the work we're doing around around uh, you know student student voice and 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 student uh, agency, you know he, here's here's what I would uh, what I'd say about about that we have we have a long long way to go. What we're realizing you know that we're doing a lot of work with with uh, with students and and in particular, uh, you know students at the margins, so they are, in in our cases uh you know uh, indigenous youth and and you know we've had a number of of panels and structures that we've set up and you know i i can tell you invariably that there is not a dry eye (laughs) in the room at one of these sessions when kids tell us about their their experiences and um what i'm what i'm realizing though is We have structured these opportunities for these folks because we're the leaders. We're the ones who've read Shane's book and we've created these opportunities. And so my, uh, the place where our district is, is, you know, needs to go is for our teachers to have spaces in their classroom environments for kids to do this. I mean, this is what the kids are telling us. It's quite interesting because what they will tell us the places where they feel most valued, most engaged, most locked in is in these places where their identity is allowed to surface, where, you know, where they get, you know, they get to be Black, they get to be Indigenous, they get to be, and it's honoured and respected. And, uh, and that kind of identity is, you know, uh, the teachers as well. So they're in community. I, uh what what i what i think we are working at right now is to create space for our teachers to do more of that work in more of our classrooms the places where it is happening there have been some powerful results with kids talking about school being more meaningful talking about the opportunities that it creates for them talking about their sense of belonging but uh, we are the ones as leaders who are seeding those opportunities now. And one of the things we need to be able to do is to create uh, experiences for our teachers to see how powerful that is, not only for them, but for their kids to get to get kids to speak with their teachers about some of these experiences. And you know, we're 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 still at the early stages of of doing that and doing some of this. Uh, some of this work through a you know an equity. We, we developed an equity framework in the school district and an equity toolkit for teachers and for leaders. And we're just at the stage of of you know encouraging and supporting people in trying some of these things on, and then listening to the voices of our of our students in terms of how it impacts them and how it engages them in the in the in their classroom spaces. When we go from all this fancy talk about
1: symmetry and frameworks and toolkits to uh, actual change in what students experience in classrooms. Um, what, what do you think is the, the key to that? When, when things have gone well, what have been the kind of most important ingredients?
2: You know, it's one of the things I do when I, when I, you know, I visit all of our schools, uh, I, I take the opportunity to get a kind of a random sample of, of kids and just talk to them. And I don't talk, I don't use any of the lexicon, right? I just tell me about school, tell me what works for you. Tell me what, tell me what doesn't, um, you know, tell me about uh, the, the classrooms that you just, you, you run the school for and because you're just so excited. And, and what they describe is you know and again i'll go back to what our indigenous elders have taught us what they what they go back to is what i will simply call our common humanity that if you want to enter into a relationship with a young person you've got to respect them you've got to listen to them you've got to find out who they are beyond this face in in front of you you've got to give of yourself in the same way Uh, and enter into this relationship. And and kids will find their own way of telling you that very, very simple thing, that they feel safe. They feel safe being who they are in the presence of this adult because they've created this community. And and so, you know, that's the place I go back to. And when you unpack that and listen carefully, uh, that's what they are, you know, telling us. Well, that's what our Indigenous elders have been talking about Forever, that this is you know you know we'll have we'll have points of engagement and all kinds of really uh, f- fancy uh, pedagogical terms for it, but it's about the humanness of the experience, uh, you know, in 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 my sense, and that's what the that's what our youth are are absolutely telling us that they are in a place with those kids.
1: I entirely agree, uh, but can I follow up a little bit? Yeah, I feel like when I talk to. Superintendents or state leaders or anybody who has any power and sits outside of a building, at least in the United States, the kinds of tools they talk about are things like, you know, metrics and incentives and carrots and sticks. And, you know, they're like, they're they're not these there's they sort of say, like, these are the things that we have. The more aware ones say they're not that great, but it's what we have. But it seems so foreign to the kind of community that you just described. So, if you want there to be more such communities, and you are, you know, not the teacher, but you're sitting in the role as the principal or the superintendent, sort of, what do you do that is consistent with rather than violating the kinds of norms you want to create?
2: That's a great question. One of the pieces behind our framework is uh, is what we'll call the the, the structural lens you know it's all of the things that people like me we concoct uh you know rules for people to follow because it you know it saves the district from a liability or or uh or follows the ministerial policy or observes the school act these are all of these things that we blindly uh walk into and and some of them you know they they, they don't get me wrong they 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 exist for legitimate reasons um why they're there but what we don't realize sometimes is that they stand in the way of teachers doing this work, because it, it then becomes oftentimes, you know, where we spend our time uh, driving out uh, uh, new, new policy on this or uh, new procedures related to that or new assessments connected to this and don't leave time for the conversations and practices that we know will make the difference. So part of it for me is looking hard in the mirror uh and say well what are the things that are enablers and what are the things that are you know disabling this this kind of discourse and you know we we can kind of fool ourselves all we want to say that you know teachers have uh you know they, you, they have the responsibility the autonomy to do this you know there are things that people like me create that either signal to those folks that you you uh you're in a space where you can try these things on or it signals to them that it's not safe uh to do so. And I think we have to absolutely interrogate that on an ongoing basis. I'll, I'll give you an example. Um, you know, so I had this conversation with our board about, uh, you know, the the, the raft of, of of strategic plan measures that uh, I have to report to them according to ministerial policy uh, every year. One of the interesting things was, you know, talking about where, where does, while those measures are important, how do we see that this system is improving? Because those numbers in and of themselves don't properly speak to the kind of learning or classroom experiences that uh, we really are aspiring to have. And, and, you know, one of our trustees says, you know, they exist in story they exist in, in, in these examples told over and over again of great things going on in different classrooms. And there is no number that you can create, Mr. Superintendent, that can tell me that. So uh, we, we ended up in this discussion about finding the right balance, living in this tension space about between the hard numbers that by law we're required to do, and uh, but also finding space for story and these student experiences as a part of my responsibility to them and to the public about how the system is moving forward. So, you know, I I, I just think that that's one of the things that that people in positions like mine uh, need to walk boldly into knowing that there's always gonna be tension. There are some things that you, you know, I cannot escape our ministerial rules but i do have a a leadership responsibility to engage people like my board and our principals about what matters most because i am sending a signal to our teachers when i do that when i tell the story of of how these teachers work together to create these experiences for kids and i play for 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 them how the students responded and how the parents responded and the impact it's had on their lives that tells a story that sends a message as opposed to the due date for your, your completion of this assessment is January 17th, be sure you have it done and you have it submitted on, on this electronic form because it has to be uploaded to the ministry. That sends a completely different message. And I think, you know, people like superintendents like me need to, you know, I'll say live the tension of both of those spaces and create more space for the, for the narrative experiences that, that share this kind of story that we want to, to have about, about classroom experiences for students. I think that's such an important um
0: idea kevin that you know superintendents uh, in their role as storytellers in chief all right they they hold the light they hold the candle they're part of those the, the coherence uh makers and and the and the coherence holders um of of those district stories and and you know data supporting and evidence supporting the stories but um, getting the, the cart and the horse in in the in the right order. I recall having, you know, school principals coming in to to speak about their, you know, what's going on in their schools and so on to the to the board and trustees initially saying, we want to make sure we get lots of data. We, we want to know the data of what's going we want the real stuff. And so I said to the 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 principals, tell the story, tell a compelling story of what's going on in your school. And we'll see if we get to the data or not. And we almost never did. We stay with the story that that is loaded with truth, and and the data and evidence is all there to, to back that story up, or those stories up. But when you start telling compelling stories about about kids and learning and uh, transformational experiences, um, that that's the real evidence of what's going on.
2: Yeah, and I, you know, and I think you just, I think you you then send, you know, we we tell our teachers that we want we want them to fail forward you know the over there's an overused term right and we want them to risk and to try uh yet uh if if we're not careful in terms of how we interact with them around some of these i don't know i'll call them urgencies we will we will send a different a a different and a competing message to them so what i would you know want to do is make sure that i i live that uh piece for them to to give them the space that they need because you know, let's face it, that's where it's actually going to happen. The interaction between the classroom teacher and the students is where it's going to happen. And my job is to kind of help to pave the path to allow that to uh, to happen. So can I ask a,
1: a follow-up on that point? Um, you know, sometimes when I go out and talk about deeper learning and I put deeper learning in quotes, you know, I say deeper learning's been going on since Plato was talking to Socrates, if not, you know, well, well before that and this idea that you know that these are 21st century skills like what's 21st century about it is that more and more people might need you know the ability to think critically for employment and thus you know the kind of education that we had reserved for the elite or as we were talking earlier had happened in indigenous circles would become kind of the mainstream so that would be the change but that the actual education might not be that different and I'm I'm hearing you affirm some of those themes in the way that you talk about the relationships between students and teachers and the kinds of communities that are created and the need for vulnerability and the way when you were first starting out, you know, the way that sports connected you to some of the kids. Um, so I guess I'm just wondering, you know what's what's your thought towards the sort of 21st or 22nd century folks? Um, the iPad in every classroom, innovation around every corner. Like, do we need innovation? Do we need to go backwards, sideways? Which 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 way do we need to go?
2: You know, uh, I'll I'll just as as maybe as an aside, I, you know, one one of the things I'm I you know, it's a social phenomenon that when you when you get people like like me, principals, leaders, you know, we are seen to kind of jump on. Jump on the most recent thing, right? It's now deep learning in quotations. Uh, I happened to to, to again you know, had a had a group of teachers I was meeting with, and we've one of them one of them used the term deep learning, but she said it in a pejorative way, um, and and you know got a little bit of a chuckle out of her colleague uh, because because of because of it, and and so uh, you know I think I think there's some there's some caution in us uh i'll say trying to co-opt that which we know to be good practice with you know, you know terms like deep learning i guess we need to call it something but uh we have to be careful that we deconstruct it and that and that we we validate it uh as uh as you know historically evident from the time plato and socrates to our you know our indigenous elders and that and that we 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 give some credit to this body of knowledge, which exi- has existed for a long time. I, I I think we we we, you know, when we when we come out there, we throw out the new term, it used to be personalized learning or 21st century learning, whatever it is. Uh, we, we can sometimes get a little careless in, in doing that. So what I try to do is kind of back away and look at some of the critical uh pieces, which I know our system does well and some of the critical pieces which I think we need to round out some of the practices that we're we are looking for um you know c- case in case in point uh you know we we've you know we've uh we've we've seen many of our secondary uh, teachers do some incredible work around creativity around the creativity, competence and, and, you know, uh, you know, very proud of of their work. And yet we might see uh, in in that same environment, perhaps uh, less focus on student identity. And so, you know, one of the things that we might uh, then engage our teachers in is in some conversation and practice about how we might deepen the students experience by connecting it more Concretely, to some of their some of their lived experiences. So, you know, I, I I I think that's one of the places that we need to go because as long as we continue to try to name it and name it with one word, as opposed to uh, creating spaces for people to talk about it and look at it and share it, share some of the critical features, we're going to get stuck and and it'll become a swear word again, and I think is going to get tossed out. Uh, until it gets replaced by another word.
0: Yeah, when you when you brand things like that, I think you're so right, Kevin. When you brand I- ideas um, or re and, or rebrand ideas, um, you get to the place as well where people go, "Oh, deeper learning." I did that last year. This year, we've moved on to um, you know personalized learning or whatever it might be, as opposed to staying with those deep, fundamental, basic ideas that are so important to how we how we should be thinking about, about you know, designing learning experiences for our young people.
1: I mean, one reason I like, I have a very ambivalent relationship with the term deep learning. Um, but one of the reasons that I like it is because it suggests that there is no end. There, there is always deeper. There are always other layers that could be peeled back in a learning experience or as you get to know a subject. And that part really does feel sort of true to what you're aiming at as a teacher and
0: a learner yeah absolutely and, and you know in BC as, as Kevin alluded to you know we talked about personalized learning but then realized we were sort of falling into that trap and so it became personalizing how do we increasingly personalize learning experiences for kids that's a great conversation as opposed to yeah I personalized it period <laughs> um, and so how we stay and stay in in that in the in the sort of the sweet spot of of the action kevin you you've talked before about um your response to the pandemic in relation to these key fundamental ideas and about sort of not getting not getting lost in the pandemic conversation not using that to derail all the 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 the, the progress and and the and the and the conversations and the that you know that were happening in your district. Can you talk a little bit about um, the kinds of conversations you hosted in your district, sort of you know late August, early September, as, uh, as school was starting up?
2: You know, I'll I'll go back a little earlier to uh, when when we you know we're discovering this thing called COVID, and and we were all out and. Um, saw the prospect of what might possibly happen, and what was interesting to me was to uh, was to see where we started talking to our teachers about things like. uh, What I need you to do is just to check in with your kids park the content that you had scheduled because guess what mom and dad both lost their jobs guess what this kid doesn't have a computer at home or if he does have a computer he's got no wi-fi or if he's if they do have computer and wi-fi there's four kids in the home and and they are sharing one computer so i want you to just to try to get to try to understand the situation understand the kids and so you know that that's what carried us forward was was a you know, I'll say you know the pandemic doing what no edict from me could ever do, which is to tell teachers to throttle back and attend to the moment. And so, you know, fast forward a little bit, and 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 that became you know part of the work that you know when 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 our teachers are no longer anchored by a number of things that I was talking about earlier that we had to do because the ministry says or the superintendents said we have to, Uh, we were just in this space where we said, okay, you're just gonna care for the whole child. And and by extension, and and this is the part that I wanna share with you, Uh, by extension, I wanted our principals to create that same experience for their staff to acknowledge that in many cases there were loved ones at home that there were issues with there were there were teachers who were mortified of catching of, of becoming infected and bringing uh the virus home uh to their kids but they had to show up to work um th- th- there was just fear in this in the space and and we know what fear does to our ability to learn so our teachers can't teach in that environment nor can children learn in that environment. so you know the, the, the biggest part for us was about creating a more humane kind of environment where both the adults and the kids could breathe a little bit, discover who they were. obviously they were there to get they were going to get the work done but the pressure, you know and we, as, as many times we could say it, just you know park some of the content for the moment it was cool for me to listen to kids, tell me about their and and this is no word of a lie this is a physics teacher at one of our schools saying we're going to stop right now and we're all gonna go for a little walk and we're going to check in with each other we're just going to be 15 minutes and and then we're going to get get back into the lesson now which physics teacher do you know (laughs) would do something like that and 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 then be able to reflect on the impact it had on him personally the kids emotionally, and go figure their ability to learn the the content in their in their course. So you know that became part of, I'll say, uh, a bit of a, a blueprint for for uh, the, the work that we've been trying to do to stay focused on 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 the task but, but to really take advantage of the pandemic forcing us into you know, forcing us beneath the green line, below the green line, to kind of checking with each other. And, and and so, we, you know, we have more people in our district now talking about student identity, student wellness, uh, uh, you know, talking about zones of regulation as a pathway to learning than we have ever had. And and so, you know, if there's one thing, I mean, there's several, but if there's one thing that I would say that the pandemic did was it caused us to attend to that aspect of the human experience on both the adult and student level. And it's, it's, it's done wonders for us, I can tell you.
1: And then were there structural changes that you could make as the superintendent or that the school leaders could make that would facilitate those kinds of relationships between the students and the teachers?
2: Um, you know, uh, there, the, we, we we grappled with many many of of, of them uh, during the course of the day. Part of it, part of it for me is our team is modeling some of those things. So you know, meetings that I run now look different; certainly, look very differently than I than I did when I first started. When I first became superintendent, I mean, we do a lot of ch- uh, we do a lot of check ins. We do a lot of stuff on on, a, on, a, on a, an identity uh, and 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 we we do that. With, with expressed intention to communicate that we want to model this kind of uh, this kind of work what's been interesting uh, and 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 I'll say you know our elementary teachers uh, they, they will tell you and again this is where you know you have to be careful with jargonizing stuff. Many of our elementary teachers will tell you that you know we've been you know if you talk to a primary teacher say we've been doing this for quite a while I don't know where you've been but <laughs> we do this stuff with 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 primary children all the time. Um, where we've seen the biggest uptake Jal, is with our secondary schools, where we then uh, you know, we, be, we began talking about, well, how do we hang on to this? You know, how do we, the year's going to come down to an end and we're going to kind of, you know, be exhausted and tired and we're going to, you know, get, get ourselves ready for next year. And how do we make sure that we don't jump into what we were doing before uh, because it wasn't working as well, clearly as, as this, how do we do that? And so some of the structural changes, you know, they've been hard because, you know, they've been just so wired into our system. And and so again, I've just, you know, it's really just encouraging our principals to walk bravely into the conversation and keep asking ourselves, why were we doing this? Were we doing this for ourselves? Or were we doing this for the students? Because it was better for learning? Was this a convenient, uh, a convenience for us? Or was it, to reflect on what we knew about the best of teaching and learning for kids so uh we we've got a few a few few moves that we've we've uh, tried to make at a number of our secondary schools where each one of them had to uh, kind of signal uh some of the things that they'd learn and one or two things that they were going to try on a structural basis uh going forward and you know we've seen some very encouraging and interesting things that they want to try next year. So I'm just, you know, as as, as exhausted as I am now, because we got through this year, I am just uh, really excited about seeing some of those things uh, coming into fruition next year at some of our schools. Kevin, um,
0: you touched on earlier, um, and before we get to the lightning round just around the corner just a, just a little hint that uh, <laughs> it's, it's going to get competitive here in a second
2: w- w- will one of us be hit by lightning or anything or this-
0: yeah <laughs>
2: exactly <laughs>
0: um one of the things that that um, i've seen you do so well over the years is act as a and i'm going to use the term translator a translator between uh bore your board and your and your and your principals and your teachers sort of being able to bridge that political gap uh small p political um uh, perhaps uh you know larger p political as well as as you interface with the ministry and and so on uh can you talk a little bit about how, that that superintendent's role of taking edu- educator speak and educator uh you know uh ideas and um and being able to communicate those to the policymakers, the 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 trustees the politicians engaged in meaningful ways and and back and forth well here's what here's what the boards you know is is talking to us about and and, and turning that into language that educators get
2: uh i mean I i'll give you a little story uh, my my old board chair um you know we we'd have these uh, planning sessions and and with her blessing you know I she'd kind of turn it over t- uh, to me and you know depending on what it was uh, I would I would uh, you know be putting together a little program for for the day and and uh, um I, I forget what it was we were talking about specifically but it had something to do with our our strategic plan and and she turned around to me after i finished this whole piece and she said you know what you are such a teacher and and she meant it <laughs> she meant it uh kind of tongue in cheek um but but what she pointed to was was something that you know i think uh, as superintendents we must never forget uh which is that's what we are <laughs> and and so i i remind our team often of this that that you need to think like a teacher because that's what got you here um and 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 while the content is, is different. Uh, And the students (laughs) are different. Um, You know, good practice, the human experience, it's, it lives on, it's real. And so that's what, that's what we do, right. And so, you know, I, I, I never apologize now when I, when I, I walk into these sessions with the board where I say, I actually say that now because what my board chair said to me. I said, "Can I be a teacher here for a, a bit? Can you can you just hand this one to me?" And then would we'll go out and do do my thing. So uh, I, 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 I offer that perhaps as a way for us to look at uh, this this work, be it pedagogical or political. I think people who work in our space uh, will do well to remember that we are acting in service of children, and that the skills that we bring that we brought to children certainly you know shifted in terms of audience in terms of experiences um, can be brought to this space uh, when we are working with the politicians and 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 so on and uh you know i'll i'll uh, you know I'll, I'll never i'll never apologize for for still being a teacher at heart and i think that's one of the things that we we need to do and i encourage uh, I encourage our team members in their interactions with uh, with uh, you know, my, my team members with their principals to bring the teacher out in you and think of this uh, as a teacher would because the path might well be there right in front of you as opposed to you thinking about this like A, a politician or B, a senior manager. Or the, or the senior strategy leader. That's not the space I think we ought to be, that's not the way I think we should conceptualize uh, our work. So, you know, I, I'll say kudos to my old board chair for pointing out something to me, which I think, you know, pointing out the obvious, I guess, uh, which is, you know, think of your work like a teacher, because that's that's the noblest endeavor and the way to look at, uh, you know, the, the 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 human side of the work.
0: Uh, we are moving on to the lightning round. And Joel, I, I think we need to get some, you know, really, exciting music for this this portion of the show um to, to get people's adrenaline and get our guests adrenaline just pumping uh for this for this next uh, exciting edition of the lightning round.
1: Uh duly noted and uh Gino our our fearless producer um we're gonna put him on this task so you may hear music in our our future lightning rounds. Um all right Kevin so um the premise of the lightning round is You've spent all this time giving very thoughtful, considered, somewhat lengthy answers, and now we just need brief, provocative uh, thoughts, but don't get fired. Um, so um, here's question one. What's one thing that most people in education think is right that you think is wrong?
2: That, that, that rigor means more work. Hmm. No, I could, yep. I could expound, but I'm, I, if this is a lightning round, then, lightning then round gonna... means
1: like 30 seconds. So give oh, us 30 a few seconds. Right. on that. Okay.
2: Yeah. I mean, I've been, I've been in, I've been in that conversation with many people, right. Who, who would question um, question this idea of, of deep learning as soft and, 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 and being in the company of kids who are passionate about something uh deeply exploring answers to important questions to me is about rigor and not about volume uh, uh and, and 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 nor does deep learning signify a loss of of rigor yeah
1: uh when sarah and i were doing our work we thought that sometimes people mistaked uh faster for deeper especially in high schools you know the more topics you covered the deeper you must have gone when op- often it was the opposite um
0: yeah. Education brought to you by the makers of Trivial Pursuit. <laughs> Kevin, what's one thing in education that you've changed your mind about?
2: Wow, the advisability
0: of being on this podcast, perhaps? Yeah, yes,
2: yeah. Well, yeah, that's one for sure. Uh, something I changed my mind about. Um, you know, I, there's a number. There's a number of things that I, I can. Uh, I, you know as I, as I think about uh what i'll say emergent approaches you know I, uh, I i really used to buy into i'll say a more uh structural functional way of looking at my my work as a as a superintendent and and what i've come to now really think hard about is um is is creating space as opposed to some of the more detailed uh i'll say objectification of things that i that i do as a part of my my work i've tried to make my work more humane in the last uh, uh little little while to to embrace uh and, and the idea for deep learning and to create space for our people to do to, to do the work and and ironically and as i said this to our board is it's when you let go when you begin to see uh, you see some of the fruits of what you're, you know, aspiring for the system.
1: Uh, last but not least, what field or domain outside of education should we look to for inspiration? What is worth emulating and why?
2: Well, you know, the easy answer to this might have something to do with the Raiders, but but that that would <laughs> probably, you know, <laughs> that would just invite ridicule. Uh, so so remember, <laughs> it's worth it's worth emulating. <laughs> <laughs> um is this the the kenny stabler raiders or? <laughs> yeah that it would have to be the the yeah the jim plunkett kenny stabler but for sure yeah <laughs> um uh you know um i mean and and because of because of of of, of you know my love for sport i mean it would be easy for me to pick uh you know some other uh, discipline but I'll, I'll start with sport and i'll pick on basketball um uh, basketball uh season is on is on out right now but 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 what i love about basketball is 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 the space that uh there is in creating opportunity for people to shine and different people to shine in different ways at different times depending on context you know it's the classic imp- imp- uh, improv improvisational sport and uh, I think that, you know, if we want to see more creativity and innovation in, uh, in some of our classrooms, uh, you can create space on a team and at the same time create opportunities for individuals to improvise and, and show you who they are. So, you know, basketball, basketball can be a great metaphor for, for some things that we need to do in, in, in the educational space as you know, Kevin, I'd love to unpack
1: that one at great length sometime. We should do a pure uh, basketball education crossover podcast at some point. Um, is, that,
2: is that Was that intended? Was that purposeful, the crossover reference? Very good. <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> Kyrie Irving would be impressed. <laughs> Off
1: the glass. Um, I wanted to just offer one last observation to our listeners before we close, which is You know, in some ways what Kevin is saying sounds so fundamental, build community, create relationships, attend to adults, uh, sense of self and purpose, allow people's identities, including their racial identities, to be something that you bring into classrooms rather than uh, hide them. Um, And it's so in one sense, it's so fundamental, but especially at the leadership level it's so rare to see people so forthrightly uh, talking about those things. They they hide behind, you know, plans or five-year objectives or other kinds of fancy language that people can't understand, and as a result, it constrains or, as you use your word, signals the wrong things for people closer uh, to the ground. So, I guess what I'm trying to say is that even though it sounds so reasonable, it's actually much more countercultural than it looks, especially coming from a leadership position. And I think that's part of what has allowed Abbotsford and other places you've, you've been to, uh, to move so far.
2: Well, well, thank you very much. It's a, it's a, remains a labor, a labor of love. Uh, I've been delighted to work with some pretty talented uh, people and, and again, working with some folks who give me space to, to try on some of these uh, some of these ideas and and uh, so you know it's uh, the story the story is as yet uh, unfolding before us but it's it's delightful to see it happen. Kevin thank you
0: so much for uh, your time today um, and your thoughtful answers. uh, Your misguided belief in the Raiders future. (laughs) there's there's a, a a whole range of things we want to, we want to thank you for. My pleasure. This has been Free Range Humans, a podcast where we consider how to make schools fit for human consumption.